Welcome to the Kick-Ass Life Podcast. My name is Elle Russ. Join me and my co-host, Tara Garrison, every week as we tackle topics related to mindset and empowerment so you can create a happier, more abundant, and fun kick-ass life. Video episodes are available on youtube.com forward slash kick-ass life podcast. To learn more about us, visit our websites, coachtaragarrison.com and lruss.com. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite snacks lately, and that is the grass-fed beef sticks from our friends over at Paleo Valley. So whether you're keto or paleo or you just care about being healthy, um, you might want to know about these sticks because they are the only ones in the USA that are made from 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, and all organic spices. Plus, What's really cool is they use the old world methods of fermenting their sticks so they're shelf stable without having to use a bunch of chemicals and crappy ingredients. So um, what's also cool about that fermentation process is that it causes the sticks to be full of gut-friendly probiotics. So it's a really great way to get your protein and your fats in from a quality source without any horrible fillers. Plus you're getting a probiotic boost and they're convenient. They're shelf stable. You can pack them with you wherever you want to go. My kids love them. I love them. So check them out. Um, you can get them from paleovalley.com. You can use the coupon code KICKASSLIFE to get 15% off. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of my favorite new companies, and that is Rep Provisions. So I met these guys at Paleo Effects last year where they were just blowing everyone away with their beef sticks and pecan nut butter combo packs that are outrageously delicious. But as I talked to them, I was even more blown away because I found out what they were about. They are a regenerative agriculture company committed to the future of the planet by the proper management of cattle. So they are regenerating America's grasslands with the management of their cattle. Look into it. It's amazing. Um, they have everything from, of course, high quality grass fed, grass finished beef to Mongolisa pork, which is like the wagyu of pork, to bone broth, to bone broth popsicles, pecan nut butters, like I said, and so many amazing things. Um, go support them and support the future of our planet. And they're giving you 15% off for being a Kick Ass Life podcast listener. So use coupon code Kick Ass Life and get 15% off at repprovisions.com. Hey everyone, we're going to take a minute here at the top of the show to chat with you about some of our sponsors who are offering incredible discounts for you and your family. We also only align ourselves with companies that we know are providing safe and healthy products and also products that we actually consume on a regular, if not sometimes daily basis. And one of those companies is Primal Kitchen. Primal Kitchen products are incredible because they are dairy-free, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free with no refined sugar. And they are delicious. So visit PrimalKitchen.com to check out the vast array of products available and use code KICKASSLIFE for 10% off. Hey, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about inner child. What does it mean doing work, inner child work? We always hear this, you know, throughout the ether, you hear like, oh, well, it's your inner child. What is it? How do we get to it? And essentially, I guess I would say that, you know, all the things I've read about it, it's like true adulthood really hinges on acknowledging and accepting and taking responsibility for loving and parenting one's own inner child. Like I say in my book, sometimes you have to parent yourself. And that involves sometimes going back and really looking at certain traumatic events or things that were upsetting as a child and playing them through and seeing what that's about. Because a lot of times it manifests into our future as adults, unless we look at it. And um, I know we, we stuffle it down, we shove it down. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Both of us have done a lot of this work. In fact, actually, even recently, Tara, I think you, you did some. Uh, I'd love to hear about your experience in Sedona and, of course, you know, whatever else you have to say about it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I did some deep work while I was in Sedona, um, two different things. One is I did a session with Anahata Ananda. Um, she does, has a practice out there called shamanjelic healing. Um, she's actually going to be on my inside out health podcast in a few weeks, but she did some inner child work with me. Um, that was really beautiful. And basically what she did was like, took me through the layers of things that have happened in my life and like beneath, beneath, beneath before that, before that, before that, before that, um, she had me, she was doing like an energy healing thing. And so I was laying on this table and she's like, what word comes to your mind? Like now here you are, like your, your child, you, what is the first word that comes to mind? And you know, what was interesting is like, I wanted to give these like typical words, but one of the first words that came to mind was smile. Like, that's all I could see was just like me just being this like little girl, just like beaming, smiling, just, I was a, you know, a lot like my son, Micah, if anybody follows me on Instagram, you might see Micah pop up a lot. I really, he reminds me so much of me as a little kid. I was fiery on one hand, like you don't want to cross me. I would definitely like let that crap out. But on the other hand, I was just so like beaming and happy and I could see that and I could feel that and I could feel um, how much I love to have fun and explore and play. And I've done a lot of inner child stuff, lots. Um, and that is what I have identified as my true key characteristics is one, you know, I just having fun and playing and wanting to explore. I remember just being in the woods or being in my backyard and just wandering around outside by myself, just exploring and playing with bugs and playing with flowers. Like when's the last time you tapped into that side of you? Do you even remember doing stuff like that? Um, and the other thing is I have a lot of distinct memories of wanting to help people feel better. Like, I have this little, I can remember being in my little three-year-old. I think I was like three. Cause I just, I can remember walking, doing that little, like, like butt shaky walk, um, furiously going to the, the, get a blanket for my sister who had stubbed her toe. And all I wanted was to make her feel better. I was wrapping this comforter around her foot. <laughs> and I remember her like crying and stopped and looking at me and just being like, Thanks. You know, and it was just like this really sweet moment between sisters. But when I can get into that inner child, I can start to see the core of who I am. And what happens is as an adult, it helps you live in your purpose. It helps you live in a way that's aligned with who you really are. So now it has become a a, a major focus, a major value in my business is am I having fun? Is this playful? Because there's obviously a way that I can create my coaching and create my business that I'm having fun. There's no reason I can't create that. So that's become a major, you know, value for me is like, I want to have fun in my life. Like, I don't want this just all be like business, business, business crap all the time. And also I get tremendous amount of joy when I am helping other people feel better in any way. So what do I do for a living? That's what I do. We have fun and we help people feel better. So it's really worth it to dive into your inner child and what really mattered to you as a little kid and start to model that in the way that you're living as an adult. Yeah. And that's the positive side of it, right? Those are like the, the positive mm -hmm. sides. I would say, I'll, I'll just give one example. When I was young, um, second grade, you know, for second grade. Now back in the day in downtown Chicago, people just let us at that age, go take the public transportation. <laughs> like there's no, it's like, go wait at the bus stop. Enjoy your good luck. I mean, nowadays parents would be like, I'm not letting my two-year-old go sit at the bus stop by themselves. But anyway, I would go with a couple of friends and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my family members who was supposed to be responsible for me that day, 
they were supposed to bring me home because I was too young. I didn't know how to operate the keys and put the keys in the door oh and all that kind of thing. Right. And that day they just were like, oh, whenever I'm going to go with so-and-so and like just had, gave me the keys. And then, so someone else dropped me off. Well, this is what has a very traumatic experience for me. It just almost makes me tear up a little bit now thinking about how traumatic in hindsight it kind of was. Mm. Um, I, so I'm living in downtown Chicago. All right. So, you know, and I'm trying to open like the door in the apartment building and I can't figure it out. And I'm freaking out because I'm a kid and I've never even done it. And I don't know. And I can't figure it out. And the door's not opening and I freak out and I run out of the street and I walk down the street and there was a guy getting out of his car and I wave him down. I'm like, can you help me? Okay. Oh my gosh. So I approach a stranger. Right. Okay. Thank God this person wasn't a serial killer because they came back to my house, helped me get up into my apartment. And my mother get a, gets a call from work from a stranger inside her house. Okay. So my mother is like, Oh my God. And here's the thing about that whole thing. I was so upset about that later on that. Like I was dissed by that family member. They should have been responsible for, they wouldn't. And what I was most upset about at the time when it lingered was that they weren't reprimanded to a level that I thought was probably appropriate. Mm. And this just killed me. And I think one of the things about me and that I really appreciate in other people and that I am myself, although, Hey, we all falter. I really appreciate dependability and reliability in everybody. When they say they're going to do something to do it, or they're said to protect something and they do very reliable, dependable people that I know that I can count on. And because this person was male, that kind of led towards, again, not trusting or having people or attracting people into my life that would sort of replay that would disappoint me when it came to dependability and reliability or my safety in that way. And you know, it was like very traumatic for me in hindsight, because, you know, when you're a little girl, you're just like, want to get in the house and there's some nice man and that's okay. And it all worked out. But then you look back and you go, oh my God, like that's horrific that that happened. You know, the, the trauma even happened a little bit after, and, you know, seeing, of course, my mother's reaction, which was like, how in the world is this happening right now? This is also a world of no cell phones or any of that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. little experiences like that, um, can really breed attraction of things you don't want that are related to that. And also to forgiveness of that person dealing with all of the stuff around that, how it felt in that moment, you know, being able to nurture and take your adult self and give that, you know, young child a hug. I mean, so this is kind of some of the work that's just like one experience that I have. And I'm sure we all have little things like that. So we got to go I'm through and figure totally. Figure yeah, that's such a good example. Um, it, it, it makes me think of um, Dr. Bruce Lipton. So if you guys want to dig deeper into this, Dr. Bruce Lipton on YouTube, you can just consume a lot of his stuff for free. He's so engaging to listen to. And he talks about um, the programming of our subconscious mind that happens to us between ages zero to seven. So he says that we are in a basically a state of hypnosis or theta brain state up until age seven. And so in this theta brainwave state, in hypnosis, we are downloading behavior from everything that we see around us, mostly other people with no filter. So we don't have a high level of consciousness. We are in subconscious download phase of our development. And so whatever thoughts that we came to, you know, your little cute, little teeny tiny self was like, I can't trust people. People don't even get enough trouble when they do things that hurt me. Like that's, that's all the level of consciousness that you had at that time in your life. So now the work is for us now that we know this is to go back and re-examine the patterns that we created when our level of consciousness and wisdom was lower. So we now get to, and this is what happens all the time. I love to, this is why, you know, we, we had our plant medicine 
podcast. Like that happens to me so much. And those journeys is I go into a state of consciousness that I was as a little girl and the medicine just says, look, feel this, see where your mind went here. And I'm like, okay, got it. Like I just took that completely at face value. And I made this belief system, this belief system, and this belief system in it. You don't have to do plant medicines to achieve this, by the way, you can do this honestly through meditation. If you will allow yourself to get deep enough, breathe and peel back the layers go, you can choose to go into a time period of your life that you've probably been avoiding, go to a memory that like that one was somewhat traumatic. It doesn't, you know, somebody else hears that and they're like, wait, what you just like, I mean, I, that is pretty scary. You had to go ask a stranger for help. Thank God he wasn't a molester. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine how cute you were <laughs> when you were little L, but like, you know, go back to those traumatic memories and, and just like L just modeled so beautifully, ask yourself, what, what did, uh, beliefs did I download because of that? thing and start looking at how they're manifesting in your life. Um, I think, you know, we have to change our core beliefs to truly change. So I would ask if you're listening, what was modeled to you in terms of your health, right? So they'll start thinking about that and health because you were just downloading everything as a little kid. What was modeled to you as normal? You know, I hear this all the time. Like, uh, actually my son just said this, he's eight. He's like, he goes, I don't want to be like super, super rich. I just want to be like normal, like dad. <laughs> That's what he said. And McKenzie's like, we are rich compared to 99% of the population on earth, Micah. <laughs> but, um, which is true. Um, but so what was modeled to you? Because we will go back just like Micah. We'll, we will fall back on what we perceived as normal, what our subconscious is telling us, which by the way, Dr. Lipton says that 95% of our actions and our lives are run by the subconscious mind. So all of this was foundational when we were zero to seven years old. What was modeled to you in terms of happiness, right? Like what got your parents like, Ooh, yay, this is awesome. It's exciting. I bet you're doing it. I bet you're doing it in your life. And then what about community? Like how were friendships modeled? How, how did your parents interact with other people? How was that modeled to you? Cause you just downloaded all of that at face value without a filter. And that's probably how you're treating and dealing with people in your life. Again, these things yep. are all connected, right? That's why it's so worthy to do this inner child work, like tap into that. And you know, some people will say like, I can't remember my childhood and I've heard said, maybe there's some trauma there that you've blocked it out, but I'm promising you it's all in there. I actually relived trauma from childhood in a float tank deep in meditation one time. Um, and I was amazed at the detail of which I remember relived this memory, just like something you see on freaking TV. I did not know that was possible, but that happened to me. Yeah. And oh, what about, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying like the details, you know, the details that were there. I, I confirmed things with my mom. I'm like, did we have this in our house growing up? Yep. We did. So I'm like, it's all stored in there, but sometimes we protect ourselves from certain memories because the pain is perceived as too great. Our brain doesn't want to go there. So maybe don't start with like the big ones, the big traumas, but start tapping into like, 
Can you even feel yourself as a little kid? You know, what does childhood feel like to you? Did you feel scared a lot? Did you feel alone a lot? Did you feel happy a lot? Did you feel pissed off? Like you were ripped off, like your brothers or sisters had it easier than you, or you weren't important enough, or, um, you, you know, you felt like you didn't fit in from in society because your family was weird or like, what were those, what is the general feeling that you had as a little kid? Because when we can allow that and just feel it for a second, now we can take our wisdom and our adult minds to repattern our subconscious mind and look at, try to look at it through a different lens instead of just still seeing things through your childhood eyes as an adult, which is what most of us are doing and which all of us are doing in certain ways in our lives for sure. Yeah. And if you're in a family environment too, like I just was working with a client on, on this a little bit too, which was they're now at a point where they're confident willing to speak up to certain family members. But when they came back to visit, the family members were all doing exactly what they did when they were kids. She was the youngest and they were all kind of like bullying or be like, oh, whatever, get over it. Like just real snide remarks. And she was like, nope. And she wasn't having any of it. She just stood up and was like, this is the way it is. This is how it used to be. You're not, you're not going to be able to bully me anymore. We're adults now not happening. Uh, so, you know, this is very valuable work a, a very innocuous. Here's an innocuous one. If you have an, a fear of something as an adult. So mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have a fear of scuba diving, but I hate it. I think I've talked about, it. I don't like the feeling of being trapped under there. I don't like all the math and things involved, like in case some shit goes wrong and blowing out the ear. Like there's so many things to me that are involved where I'm like, I just like swimming. But when I, I was thinking about this recently, cause I was like, you know what, when I was a kid, there were several instances, very young age where some jerk at the pool, some kid tried to dunk my head, which by the way, oh my God, it's not cool because they're like, ah, they're, they're playing, but they're trying to drown you. And you know, if someone's yeah. stronger than you, and this has happened, this happened to me a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think there's this part of me that's like, I don't want anyone responsible for me underwater. I don't want to trust anyone when it comes to the water. And, you know, I'm a swimmer. I love swimming. I love going on the ocean. I, you know, I do it all uh, and a snorkel in the ocean. Sure. But there's something about it. And I was looking back and I was like, I wonder if like some of that is related to the fact that I, several times some stranger kid at a pool or my friend's brother dunked me, held my head underwater. I felt trapped. Um, there was another time that I was actually practicing swimming at a camp and there was a girl and she was like, six foot seven. She was, had a, a growing, like a growth disorder as a kid. So she had it a little bit rough. She was like, you know, 10, but she was like six foot five and she was uh, doing a back float. Uh, and someone was timing her like one of the counselors. And I just happened to come up underwater and hit, hit her, her back, but I'm like a kid. So I kept trying to move and everywhere I was going, it was like being stopped. And again, I was like having a total meltdown thinking I was drowning. I didn't even know what was happening. Meanwhile, she's like, who the hell is hitting my back underneath this water? Again, a little small thing, yeah. but it all relates to me being like, mm, about trusting other people or being trapped underwater in a certain way. And I think yeah. that's really why I was like, so opposed to scuba diving, all this shits on me. I got all this stuff to think about. I can't just break free if I want. I can't just swim as fast as I can at the top without calculating all these things again. Now in that scenario, do I need to do work to get over that so I can scuba dive? No, I don't give a shit about scuba diving. I don't care if I ever do it. I'm not interested. It's all right. But it's mm -hmm. still was something to look back and go, maybe that that's related. And that's just interesting as to how I feel about that. And it's okay that it's that way. Sometimes these things are not completely revelatory, but they're worth looking at. So mm -hmm. looking at an adult fear and seeing like where that might've come from and can you do some work, work in there to either forgive or to, to release some stress about it. Uh, again, I don't scuba dive. I'm not saying I would, for, but if you were that person, maybe you really wanted to, then that would be the work that you would have to do probably to get to that point. 
If that yeah, makes and it's a it's a beautiful example of how we develop these patterns and these fears. And I'll share one that is maybe a little bit more like, yeah, this one you need to work on, girlfriend. Like, um, I'll share vulnerably. Like, so I was at um, I was actually at a an ayahuasca retreat, and I was in a meditation. We this is just purely just a, a guided meditation with a yoga instructor, and it was so good. And it was an inner child meditation, and she took us so beautifully deep into this this journey, right? And it, it, it was so masterful the way she got us into details of we're in this like grassy field under a tree and you can feel the sun on your face and the wind is blowing softly and you feel it on your arm, you know? So she's really getting us in that basically a hypnotic state and this little child comes out and the child is you. Right. And I mean, it's from like their little fingers, like climbing up on you and sitting in your lap and you can see their hair and like their forehead. And like, she's getting you really into the details. And so I'm, I mean, I was there, <laughs> I was in this meditation all the way. And she said, and then the child asks you something and it asks you, what do you need from me? And that's a question that I will ask you guys who are listening to ask your inner child, what does it need from, you know, maybe go into a meditation, breathe, get some deep breaths going, tap into your inner child and ask that question. What do you need from me? Cause you know what mine said, this is actually really sad, but Hey, it was part of my journey. My inner child said, be nice to me. Be nice to me. And it made me ball my eyes out because I knew that that was a feeling that I had as the youngest of five kids house was kind of chaotic. Mom was gone a lot. It was like older siblings were in charge and I have four kids and I know older siblings can be beasts to the youngest. Cause they think they're really annoying and they're just all yelling at them. And that's how I felt. You know, I felt just like always like everyone was mad at me and everyone hated me. And that was my perception as a little girl was just like, everyone's mean to me. And even if I couldn't see my own stuff as a little girl, I couldn't see that I was, you know, <laughs> probably doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. All I could perceive was they're all mad at me. Everyone's yelling at me. Even mom's yelling at me, calling me tattletale, like all that. Right. So the reason it was worthy for me to revisit all this is I actually did a session with it. Um, with Catherine Dixon, who does the work of Byron Katie. And I, I realized that because it was my oldest brother, who was kind of like the dad of the situation, who was really, really mean to me. I realized that with men, I was afraid chronically of making them mad. I was afraid that if I said something or did something that they didn't like deep, deep down, of course, like consciously, I'm like, no, who cares? Like they can suck it. Like consciously it was different, but deep, deep inside, I was afraid to say certain things or do certain things because I was afraid it would make them mad. So that was something, holy cow, definitely worth getting into the inner child work for me to see those patterns in my life. Because I realized I was acting outside of myself. I was acting outside of alignment with myself purely to avoid the fear the, the, the wrath of somebody being mad at me. Holy crap. I mean, that affects you. That effect was affecting me in business and dating all of it because with women, I'm like, Oh no, I'll just tell you my freaking peace of mind. Like, this is what I've got to say. But with men, I was like more timid, more scared to speak up. So, wow. That was a really cool thing that I learned purely from my little inner child saying, be nice to me. So, um, you, feel like you, guys you have to, to catch yourself now at all with men. I mean, platonic or not in that environment, do you feel like you're catching yourself on some? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been, a, um, like understanding, like truly, uh, like Bruce Lipton says that the conscious mind is a creative mind and the subconscious mind is a programmed mind, a habit mind. So 
those habits are so ingrained, right? It's like, I catch myself on little things of like, just not speaking up all the way when normally I would. And I have to literally make myself like, no, speak your truth. And what happens? Is it received with anger and I hate your opinion? No, (laughs) it's received with like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like whatever, no big deal. And so the proof comes that the habit changes start to happen when it continues to be able to be received in like a safe and supportive manner, because I'm now associating with people who are safe and supportive in my, in my life, I'm seeing like, ah, and it's changing me. It's allowing me to be able to create new habits, um, as I've done that work on my subconscious mind. So yeah, it's something I'm still constantly like, I have to like, Oh, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it anyway, even though my old habit is be quiet quiet and don't speak up and don't speak your truth because then they might get mad. I was like, Nope, I don't want to be in that place anymore. So the minute I can feel myself starting to like, not say what I'm thinking, which is usually that's the biggest like thing that I know. It's like, I'm just not, it's like, I'll just stay right here and just like think it, but not say it. And that's what I've been having to push myself outside of my comfort zone and break those old habits. But it's been, it's been amazing. Um, it's only, honestly, that was only like a year ago. So (laughs) it's been amazing doing that work. Yeah. I mean, I think also too, um, it doesn't even have to be even such a young child, right? We're talking about like what I talk about in my book, like parental garbage, getting rid of the stuff, but it's really about parenting yourself, right? It's about embracing that inner child. Maybe you need to write a letter that you never send. Well, you're not going to send it to your inner child, but you're you're like, I didn't get any response. What an asshole. (laughs) Um, But, you know, write a letter, you know, and, and say like, Hey, it's okay. Like from your perspective now, what would you say to that frightened child or that Mm -hmm. abused child, et cetera, and give it love and cry it out. I mean, these things are, these things are emotional. Sometimes it's not fun to look back at some of these things. You know, none of this stuff is, well, it's fun in the long run because the outcome is so great. None of this shit is fun or seems fair or is awesome. It's tough. That's why a lot of people don't want to do it. So people don't want to look into themselves, you know, but you have to be honest with yourself. And part of that is really tapping into what happened when you were a kid. And because I guess these, they, they are here now, you know, I, I mentioned a couple examples, uh, in my book, but also in speaking to someone recently who always has friend issues and people are getting mad at her, they're in fights all the time. And I'm like, why are you, why, why are you and no, no one else like that I know? Yeah. And it's because again, growing up youngest of like a bunch of older, older sisters, never heard, no one ever listened to them. Oh, whatever, we don't care about you. You know, just like, you know, all that kind of classic stuff to then transferring over to high school, friends would get together, they'd gang up, they'd end up leaving her. She was always sort of left in the dust. But the thing is, is that she would be a shit starter who would start these things that mm-hmm. they would get, again, she was a tr- she was making it happen. She was reliving this pattern of getting in there to make sure, see, this is what happens. This is what happens when I yep. introduce friends to each other and they go off and leave me or this is what happens. And again, so anytime you're like, see, this always happens or see, damn it, this is right. Or just my luck. That's the kind of stuff where it's like, no, that's just you. That's not just your luck. That's mm-hmm. stuff you got to look into because these patterns are there for a reason. What sucks in my life? What keeps happening? What am I bad at? Who do I need to, you know, who am I still blaming? Parenting oneself yep. is very yep. important and it's a very harsh thing. Um, I can tell you as a mom of four, your inner child is a victim. <laughs> you go. Your inner child is a big old victim. Cause my kids, like as soon as the heat comes on them for anything, like who did this? Sure. Kyle did it. Jerem did it. Micah did it. Kenzie did it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. There is no, <laughs> yeah. kids are not self-accountable. They are not like, Hey, I just wanted to come up and say that, you know, I really could have handled that differently with Kyle. No, it's 
I didn't do anything and Kyle punched me, you know, <laughs> like that is how the inner child operates. So it's really worthy to go in and see like, okay, maybe you were a victim, victim, victim as a kid. You might want to revisit that a little bit and start looking at some of the things that you could have also done differently because being in that victim state, if you're still seeing life through the lens of a victim, you know, I still know grown men that say, if my dad would have just played football with me more, I would have been in the NFL. If my dad would have just been more proactive with sports, I would have been a pro an NBA player bullshit. That is not true. As, uh, Byron Katie talks about, she's like, we know it's not true because it didn't happen. <laughs> right. And it's not the reality you're living and you're suffering because you're arguing with reality, which is you're not an NBA football or exactly. <laughs> and like, what a victim mindset, you know, or like, maybe I would have been better at school if my parents had supported me more bullshit, dude, you got to let that story go. Guess what? I was top of my class and I'm not trying to brag, but I'm just saying like, I was an honor society president, Spanish honor society president, like freaking started leadership clubs, mentoring clubs, straight A student, top of my class. Like, and I had zero support at home. So I'm not trying to be a brat. I'm just trying to say like, I, if I see people in these stories of like, my parents didn't support me enough. I'm like, I had zero support. And I'm actually grateful for that because it taught me how to be independent in a lot of ways. So like, if you think that you weren't successful in some way of, because of your parents, sorry to tell you this, you're being a freaking victim and you need to get out of that mindset immediately because it's holding you back so much in your life. Yeah. That's why um, I call your victim application has been denied in my book. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that part. It's like fucking denied. You can't, you can't live in that world. And also when you hear someone talking that way, you kind of lose, you know, you lose respect and admiration yep. because again, it's such a point the finger blame. We don't mm -hmm. like it when people don't take responsibility for their shit, but particularly nope. if you're an adult, if you're past the point of 18 and you're realizing some stuff, you can parent yourself. Like when you're two, when you're five, yep. okay, you know, you're a victim. It's just going to be the way it is. You're a freaking kid. Right. You, won't, you won't figure it out till you get older, but then it's really worth evaluating. And I think uh, there's a, there's a good book called, um, his name is tough. It's Thick Nat Han. Do you know who that mm -hmm. is? Mm -mm. Well, he's just, he's like a spiritual Buddhisty type of guy, but just say, you know, just on talking on the inner child, talking about the ins, you know, inside all of us is like a young suffering child that wants to protect ourselves from future mm -hmm. suffering. Right. Yep, but yep. actually not addressing it creates future suffering constantly. And, you know, this yep. work is really never done, but here's the thing about fun too, going back to the beginning of it, which is I still act like a kid all the time. People would, I mean, and, and I never liked it when people are like, when you reach a certain age, you have to have your hair a certain way. You can't wear these clothes or you can't. And so recently I did it with a friend. We were like, you know what? Okay. Pandemic bullshit's kind of closed, whatever. Let's get, when's the last time we went rollerblading? That's fun. Like I remember roller skating a kid and it was so much fun. So mm -hmm. I just got a pair of rollerblades and so did my, yeah. my hiking partner Ooh. buddy. And oh we God. went rollerblading yesterday and we were laughing our asses off and we were, and, you know, and we're like, he's, we're, you know, we're new to it. It's been like 20 years. Right. We're like speeding too fast. We're like jumping off into the grass. We're like, we're laughing around so much fun. And you know, just half an hour of that. And you get home. And I was like, I felt again, feeling that like happiness as a kid being outdoors playing, mm -hmm. you know, even Mark Sisson to this day, after all those endurance competitions, he does, he's like, I don't do anything. That's not fun. It's not fun. I'm not fucking doing it. Love it. I didn't know that. I love that. Yeah. yeah constantly. That's of, why he's only like, I'm going to play ultimate Frisbee. I'm going to go stand up and I'm going to do everything. That's fun. I'm not doing anything. That's fun. I'm not going to put anything in my mouth that doesn't taste awesome either. That's, that's his two requirements in life at this point. Love you know, it. Love it. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like, if you haven't done this, I cannot encourage this enough. Like 
what do you actually think is fun? Not what you're supposed to think is fun. Like here's a fun center that I go to, to pay $30 a person to get into. And this is a fun center. Like, no, like, what do you think is fun? I do also think roller skating is super fun. I do it with my kids all the time. Um, I'm learning how to backward skate. That's super fun. I think my, my eight-year-old right now is hopefully you can't hear him in the background. He is upstairs. They are off school today and he's running around the house on jumping stilts. Um, his older brother, he has discovered his older brother's jumping stilts and, you know, he's getting ready for school. It's early in the morning, like the last couple of weeks. And he's walking around on jumping stilts. Like, this is how kids operate. Like, did you get on jumping stilts this morning and start bouncing around your house? But this is how little right. kids are. They're proactively seeking out ways to have fun. Like, are you doing that? Cause that's part of the inner child work is playing and asking yourself, like, what do you actually think is fun? I actually think going outside and playing in nature is like the funnest shit ever. Like, it's oh. like my soul goes on level 10 billion. That might not be it for you. Maybe you didn't ever like that as a kid, but for me, I'm like, like if I can find Maybe it's walking a- around a city for you, maybe it's just walking around a city for you and being downtown and looking at stores. Maybe that's fun and lights you up. It doesn't, it doesn't really right. matter, but get back to what you thought was fun as a kid. Totally. There's something there you can do it as a There adult. is. No. Oh, basketball. I started, you know, the lifetime fitness that I go to has a basketball court in it inside and out. So I I've started regularly just for 10 minutes. I just go shoot some hoops after my workout. I'm like, girl, you got 10 minutes to go have some fun in your life. It changes my entire state. I'm like having so much fun. I'm feeling like a bad A. I'm not even good, but I think I'm good. And I always did when I was little. So it's like, perfect. I'm summoning that inner child. That's like, I'm going to the WNBA and it's like, miss, miss, miss. And I don't even care. Cause I'm just having so much fun doing it. So whatever was fun for you as a little kid, please pull that into your life. Speaking um, of which I have a basketball right over here that I bought during the pandemic. Cause that was another thing. I'm like, you know what? That's so much fun. And then I learned that Rob Mack likes to play ball. And I was like, what? Oh, dude. what? I was like, Let's Pick-ass- do- <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So- so I'm just podcast, uh, basketball tournament in California. I mean, but again, it's like, I was like, I can't wait to go out there and shoot it. It's been a couple years or so, uh, every once a year or so, but that is so much fun. And even if it's 10 minutes or whatever, again, it makes you feel like a kid again. It's fun. Uh, whatever that is for you. It could be, it could be like playing cards with someone or backgammon. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. Um, so get into that inner child work. And I don't know if there's any references for this really, other than, you know, there's so many people that talk about this. You could just Google it, do some work. Obviously, Catherine Dixon, great coach. Um, yeah, Bruce Lipton is definitely a good resource for that. I'd say he's the best, in my opinion, that I've come across. Um, there's one other thing I want to talk about real quick, Elle. Yeah. And that's in regards to food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I really, this is a concept I talk about a lot with nutrition is be your own mom, be your own dream mom. Yes. So you may not have had this modeled to you, probably not. I mean, most of us who are adults now, it's not like our parents were aware of the health information that we have now. Some of them were, some of them were hippies and making you like chamomile tea from <laughs> clovers in your backyard and stuff, but that was really rare. Um, so I would ask what was modeled to you in terms of food? What was normal to you? And this is something that, you know, I look at a lot of emotional eating issues with clients. Um, secret eating is very common. Did you have to hide what you were eating as a little kid? Um, did you feel pressure from your parents to look a different way than you did or somebody else in your life? Um, were you ashamed in some way of how you were eating? Is that filtrating in your adult life? You need to go back into the child, the child to the child self and re-examine the environment around you, the people around you. Look at your mom, look at your dad. What were they experiencing in their life? What was true for them? How was that then um, put onto you? And how can you look at it differently and release yourself from that now? Another thing, 
the be your own mom concept that I do is about, this is how I am with my kids. I do not limit anything. The kids are not, it's not like they can't have sugar, can't have gluten. I, I really personally am very opposed to that way of thinking because I think it does lead to weird restrictive mentalities and things like secret eating and food issues. So I educate them on the importance of filling it up with the good stuff, right? Our body needs our help. The inside of our body needs all these things to make it run. It's like the best robot you could ever create is what I used to tell them when they were little. And these are all the things that it needs. It needs all sorts of things to run off of because it's so good. It's such an advanced robot. So it needs vitamins, it needs minerals, it needs protein, it needs carbs, it needs fats, it needs all of them. Um, and so we focus on that. And I tell them you can have a treat after your real food, right? So I say that even if you're looking at your protein bars and somewhat healthy processed snacks as an adult, this has been so helpful for me to, to do this to myself. And like, all I ever really want is like bars and coffee. Let's be real. Like if I could just live that life, like, okay, being real, there have been times that I have, <laughs> they were not my healthiest times. Um, I actually did gain weight living that life. I don't recommend it, but um, like I say, okay, you can have that after you eat your real food. So I start with like greens and protein as some sort of something, right. Whether it's a sauteed vegetable or salad with protein in it. And then I say, you can have your cookies your keto cookies or your protein bar or whatever, after you eat your real food that has helped me so much. And then also examining those patterns. So for me, it was, we were poor. I was the youngest of five food was always scarce. So when the eating was good, you ate, right? Like you, if we had good great, stuff, right. You eat it now or it's gone because everyone else is going to eat it. And so that led to, as soon as there's good stuff around, I just want to freaking eat it all. Like I just, that's all I want to eat because it's going to be gone soon. Um, even ha shopping habits. I noticed in my twenties, I only noticed this because my friends were making fun of, fun of me because when they would, my neighbor friends would text to see if somebody had something on hand, they could borrow. I always had it because I had so much food in my house because I had this unconscious habit, this unconscious pattern that there was never going to be enough food. So I better make sure that I stock up, stock up, stock up. So I don't run out. It even like was affecting me on trips when I would travel. It was like, ah, oh, crap. What if I get in a situation where there's like not food and then I'm like hungry and like, what am I going to do? You know, and now there's Uber eats. So, <laughs> but I know <laughs> I'm always good now, <laughs> but I always Technology um, solved. Yeah. <laughs> but I noticed those patterns and I had to really take a look at those and say, and, and coach myself as the mom that I needed, that I need now to my inner child, like, girl, you're good. Like there's always going to be enough. Like you never have to feel that way anymore. And it takes some coaching. Um, so I'm just sharing that in case that's helpful to anybody with food, look at those patterns, whatever they were and see if there's, you know, some manifestation of those childhood patterns in your adult life that you haven't revisited yet. That's a good one because I'm, rem I'm reminded that in my family, like we were not allowed to have like sugar cereals, desserts, any junk whatsoever, no Coca-Cola, nothing like we, we, I mean, I'm very grateful. Well, that's rare. Fed really well. But then, then here's the thing. Then my dad would bring home a box of like good humor bars. Forget it. My brother and I eat immediately. Like anything that was brought in the house. Yeah, right. we were like, we're never going to get this. Scarcity. Yeah. So that's where like, we don't buy treats. Cause every time we buy them, you guys just go through them. Right. But again, I mean, that leads to then a patterning, right. As an adult to some degree is subtle that you can look at that. I kind of had to. Yeah. So it makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. I've noticed with my own kids, because there aren't restrictions. Like if we get something like cupcakes, like, um, the, my son's birthday was yesterday and his grandpa brought over some cupcakes. They took like one bite and just left it there. 
right? And I think that's so interesting because there's not scarcity around it. They're not acting strangely. They're just literally just only eating as much as they want. Right. So yeah, a lot of patterns with food, um, for sure. But again, I encourage you to also look at like your, your relationship with happiness and your relationship with community also, um, what was patterned to you. And you may have to go do a little, little talk with your inner child and say, Hey, guess what? It's different now and continue to visit that. And I would say, I would really encourage visiting that while you're in meditation. So you can get rid of this conscious thinking mind. So you can really get to those deeper levels. Um, and then in closing, I guess from, from my side of things, other ways to reprogram, I thought I'd share with you guys, my favorite ways to reprogram my subconscious mind. Um, and the first is to read right? Reading. I'm constantly reading always. I always have a book coming in something that elevates me, something that helps me see how other people may have, um, developed their minds. And to that helps me reprogram. I just finished the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen R. Covey. That book is so freaking good. I haven't read that since college. I was dying. That, that book is up there with, um, Napoleon Hill thinking grow rich for me. Now I was like, this book is just truth bomb after truth bomb after truth mm-hmm. bomb. So good. Um, another thing is doing a morning routine. Um, so having meditation, having gratitude, I'll give a shout out to my mindset coach, Tony child, his, um, programs called elevated worldwide. That's what I use in the mornings. And so it's like a little workbook that you just for, it takes me maybe 10 minutes. I read a statement because he's using the reticular activator activating system to get you to say and see something helps ingrain it into your subconscious mind more. And then he asks questions where you have to dig in and say, where am I doing this in my life? How am I seeing this? This is what I'm going to do this week to change it. Right. So having something like that in place, this is also, I do this in my own coaching, right? We have a morning routine and a program that they go through, um, meditation, obviously another way to reprogram the mind. So stuff can come in and you can also learn to release all these stressful thoughts and stop doing that being in silence, being in silence. Wow. Like, so you can process things. That's um, one of my course, favorites. That's literally yeah. one of my favorite things to do is just everything's silent. I'm staring into space, staring at a tree, just right. Because if you, that. if you don't, you're not ever creating the pause for you to reprogram. <laughs> you're just like in you're in subconscious habit replay constantly. Right. So we have to create those pause if we're going to allow ourselves to reprogram and let those new thoughts in and really, um, connect with our souls. Um, the work of Byron Katie, super powerful. I mean, I can't recommend that one enough, um, for reprogramming your subconscious mind. Cause you're questioning the two first two questions are, is it true? And you know, how can I, can I absolutely know it's true? Right. So those are, that's revisiting childhood stuff, like crazy, um, hypnosis. And then also the last one I would say is spending time around people who are performing at high levels in the areas that you need to grow in. Absolutely. These are all winners. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know that I have anything really to add to that because I think that that's a really comprehensive list. Okay. All right, guys. Other than, other than get a coach, if you need to go further, other than when you're done doing your investigative stuff, because you can have people point out stuff to you that they, I mean, you know, whether I've been in a session with my coach or I've been coaching someone and they're like, oof, I like it hits because they didn't think about it because they're in their thing so hard. And when you're looking at it from the outside, so absolutely having an unbiased person who understands how to detect these things. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, we'll put a link. And there's probably the- some guided meditations that are out there that are free yeah. working on your inner child and other stuff too. So if you don't know what to do and you're like, what do I do? Just sit there and okay. Look online, guided meditation, inner child work. I bet you there's someone that's uh, going to be taking it through, through, through with you. 
Yeah. yeah. I'll put links in the show notes for, um, one, I'm going to put a link to a Bruce Lipton YouTube video. That is so good. You guys will love it. Um, I'll also link clarity coaching who I go to for the work of Byron Katie and also, um, elevated worldwide. If you want to look at that Tony child stuff, he's so, so good. So we'll, we'll put links for that and anything else, um, that we think might be useful for you guys on this, but yeah, get to know your inner child. Who were you? Who are, that's who you are. That little, little teeny tiny version of you. I want to meet them. I, you know, I've been around so many yeah. little kids that I see this light in them and I see their full personality. And then they turn around 10, 11, 12 and the light goes out and they turn into robots and they're trying to be just like everybody else. And it's like, who are you? Where'd it go? What happened? I want to, I want to meet like six-year-old you because six-year-old you is the real you. And I think you need to meet six-year-old you too. So do the work. It's really, really worthy. It's brought me nothing but happiness and revelations in my life. So I can't encourage it enough. Agreed. Thanks everyone. Of course, uh, check out our website, kickasslifepodcast.com. And if you're listening to this, you can also watch episodes on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash kickasslifepodcast. Thanks everyone.